Hello, and welcome to Edgeguard, uh, taking a closer look at games on the fringe. My name is Blake. Uh, joining me today is my, my good friend, uh, Jordan. Uh, hey there. How's it going, Blake? Uh, you know, it's it's going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so today we're, we're going to do kind of an, an intro episode of the podcast, trying to introduce people to ourselves and uh what we want to do with the podcast and then uh, sell them on our favorite games what'd you say we're, we're gonna sell them on it we're gonna this is oh this how we oh, make people love it uh, yes. oh gosh i'm uh i'm bad at i'm bad at selling things because i'm bad at lying <laughs> <laughs> so i can't be like hey guys this is gonna be a, a great gripping podcast no they'll, they'll love just, you for who you are well mm, i don't i don't find that to be the case <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so so yeah, I wanted to to start with us kind of like talking about uh, our 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 backgrounds, sort of. So so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jordan? Okay, yeah, I can go first. Um, so I, um, I recently got my undergraduate degree in English, believe it or not, from the University of Utah, and now I'm in a PhD program, also in English, but uh, studying games. Uh, video games, that sort of thing, uh, new media, um, except sort of from a, a humanities perspective, um, asking questions about like games as a cultural form, uh, how games create narrative and uh, like effective responses, that sort of thing. Um, and we thought it'd be interesting to put that sort of perspective in conversation with uh, you. Yes. Because... So- uh, yeah, yeah, I'll talk. Uh, I'll talk about my thing now. So I am. Uh, I just actually just graduated uh, with my degree in computer science with an emphasis in game design mm. uh, from mm-hmm. the University of Utah. So, so basically, I was a programmer. Uh, I was a normal computer science major, and then instead of taking computer science elective courses, I uh, took classes where I learned about games and made games. And my f- senior project was a game rather than uh some other sort of application um that's true and you know maybe we'll find a time to talk about your game sometime probably not now uh, but, uh yeah yeah maybe we can talk about <laughs> it i'm not i'm not we'll sure see. i mean i definitely uh am very, i've played it uh oh yeah i never knew you played it well but <laughs> that's beside the point it's <laughs> um, i'm very comfortable with where that game ended up even <laughs> if it's if it's not the the best game ever mm-hmm. but um but anyway yeah so i i guess we we sort of have come at studying games from two different directions because your your degree your undergrad degree is just english literature right yes i in fact i never during my undergrad like seriously studied games academically that is almost entirely uh post-grad stuff yeah so yeah that's interesting because my obviously my undergrad was uh made up a lot of uh studying games true uh but so, I mean, even before I just I would like started like seriously thinking about games and writing about them. I, uh, I mean, I obviously thought about games a lot. I played a lot of games. I was a big fan of games, and um, uh-huh. we uh, had already talked pretty seriously. I feel like about games, and so it seemed like a good idea to keep that going now that we're miles apart. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's sort of one of the reasons why where we decided we wanted to do a podcast so i guess the big one is that you moved off to chicago for grad school yes and uh, yes, indeed. uh i wanted to uh 
have some sort of excuse to force you to talk to me <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. on a on a semi regular basis. And it took a, it took a year. You've already finished your first year of grad school, but we we finally found a an idea that we liked enough to actually uh, start doing this thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah. do you want do you want to talk to him a little bit about about that idea since it did yeah, start so with you? Sort of the niche that we're we're thinking this will fill is that is games on the fringe is the is the tagline and mm-hmm. the the way we're conceptualizing that as i understand it is like just pretty pretty broadly games that are not mainstream but not just like simply quote-unquote indie games like we're thinking like even more fringe than that stuff that's released as like an experimental release just from like one designer uh student games that sort of thing um games that there is a very real possibility you have never heard of them um yeah yeah, and, and even, I think, uh, like, broadly, I think that's what we'll be looking at, is games that not a lot of people have heard of or that are weird. But I think also uh, we'll be looking at games that maybe people have heard of, but not a lot of people have played. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've sort of briefly discussed some games that are very influential, uh, but not that many people have actually played them, but their influence is felt very strongly. That's true. Uh, so, so I think... Uh, I guess we'll find out as we sort of go on and play mm-hmm. games what sort of games you're playing. But but the idea is to take a look at games that maybe aren't made to be financially successful, sure. uh, and or maybe they were and they were failures or no one ever heard of them, uh, and just kind of find things that are 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 good or compelling or maybe that aren't even that compelling, but that are like you can see the effort mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. have an idea of like what the goal was it's true and so. related to that um i think the sort of philosophy that we're trying to take going into this is one of generosity rather than easy criticism because absolutely i mean you know a lot of games that are low budget or student games that sort of thing it would be easy for us to just i think this is your phrase just dunk on them but i mean oh absolutely <laughs> there's i think that um it'd be far more interesting for us to focus more on that yeah, absolutely. The, the and what what does work? The idea is that they almost hit right, but maybe don't fully flesh out. Yeah, um, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's a lot more. We want to like be encouraging people to like experience games in another way. I, I read somewhere it was I forget I think it was on Twitter. Someone it was a game developer, and they said if you're only playing games from Steam, then you should really expand your horizons because mm-hmm. there are tons mm-hmm. of different places to get games and the kinds of games you find in different places are can be really interesting and you might find something that you love totally by accident so yeah, I, i'm true. excited to to start sort of expanding my uh my gaming knowledge uh beyond uh you know indies that have gained at least enough popularity that i've heard of them and you know yeah. big triple a games obviously, the, obviously you know games that haven't even made it onto the blogosphere yet yeah, man, the them, them secret games <laughs> hiding away, the the dark depths of itch.io, and maybe also elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is uh, Desura still? Or I think Desura is defunct now, but mm. that would have been a fun way. Uh, but but anyway, um, I think now that we've sort of introduced what the concept was, I wanted to try and uh, give people an idea of who we are as gamers, which is a <laughs> phrase that I didn't realize I hated so much until I decided to say <laughs> it. Uh, but, but, you know, I want to give people an idea of, like, what kind of games you and I are playing, 
mm. or have really enjoyed and what we enjoyed about them specifically so yeah. so I, I had you prepare a list of uh, th- three of your favorite games mm-hmm. and uh, I have prepared a list of three uh, myself alright so uh, do where, where do you want to start do you want me to start or do you want to go I can go I first think, do you want me I think to, we like, should uh, we should go back and forth so you okay. do one we talk about it I do one okay so I tried to pick three games that I liked for different reasons. Uh, um, I did the same thing. And uh, so I'll just start uh, kind of at random um, with Dark Souls. Uh, uh, and yes. I'm, I'm just including the whole series of Souls games in there. I actually have, sure. I've never played Demon Souls or Bloodborne, but. Um, yeah, I haven't either, actually. Those are the only two I haven't played. But I, um, I'm a huge fan of Dark Souls, the original, um, and I was a kind of a fan of two, and then also a huge fan of three. Um, and there's sort of a, a variety of reasons why I find Dark Souls compelling as a game. Um, one is that it just feels really smooth to play. Um, and this oh. was something that didn't really like click for me until fairly recently, when mm-hmm. I was, um, I think I was watching like a speedrunner or something play uh, Dark Souls 3. And it was a boss that I had already beat um, myself. And I found myself getting this like, almost involuntary twitch in my thumb every time uh, they needed to be rolling i was just yeah. like i could just like feel the rhythm of yep. the boss fight just like from watching it and i was like yes. wow, this game just it feels so good um absolutely it, it's almost like this is gonna sound a little cheesy but it almost feels a little like musical almost like dance like when you're playing that game at its best mm-hmm. you know there are definitely some absolutely. boss fights that are all feel bad um, yeah, listen. There, there's some. Uh, what's what's the tree from Dark Souls One? Oh God, fuck the tree. It's a um, uh, bed, bed of chaos. Of, yeah, no, that oh that wasn't some gosh. bullshit. That's a dumb boss. Yeah, that was that was certainly no dance, but uh, Artorius perhaps was, Artorius. A, was a beautiful. And ballet. I felt that way about uh, Slave Knight Gale at the end of Dark Souls Three DLC, which I know you still haven't played, and I yeah. recommend it. It's it's on my list. It's on my <laughs> list. Um, um, besides that, I also just like. The first time you play a Souls game, just the feeling of, like, sublime confusion at, like, walking through the world and, like, seeing how the labyrinthine passages, like, loop into yeah. each other, and it's and nothing quite up like a bunch it. of weird ass items that you have no idea what it what it does and then you read the description and you still have no idea what it does yeah. but you know but it was left bare by some guy with a very specific name who in another item description uh, and <laughs> i actually I, it's funny that i bring that up because i i never really have gotten super deep into the lore of dark souls and i've never been like mm-hmm. reading all mm-hmm. the item descriptions and trying to piece together the world but uh the fact that that's there is still appealing to me i guess Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like it. It sort of like brings me back to my youth of gaming when like the strategy guide was a thing, and like yes, you you just did not understand how the game worked, and you had to like uh-huh. look it up somewhere. Yeah, Dark, there's something. Yeah, I mean, there's something can be said for intuitive design, but sometimes unintuitive things can also be really like. Yeah, compelling. and so so. To, to give the people an idea I, you and I kind of fought we both wanted to have Dark Souls but I said <laughs> I figured we'd talk about it anyway so, so I let you have this one yeah, thank but you. It's, it's funny because we actually like our favorite things about it are pretty much the same things like the feel of Dark Souls 1 especially Dark Souls 3 is like 
80% of the way there, and then Dark Souls 2 is like 50% yeah. of just how good it feels and like the timing. Specifically for me, rolling and like the invincibility that you have for that short time you roll and mm-hmm, learning mm-hmm. the exact moment to roll so that you can just like roll right through an attack that would kill you in one hit yep, and be yep. fine is like one Deeply of the most satisfying, satisfying things. And then the second most satisfying thing is uh, getting down the parry timing uh, in <laughs> yeah, Dark Souls 1 and just <laughs> fucking destroying some guy. And uh, like it took me, I spent probably like 5 or 10 hours my first playthrough just like going up to easy enemies and trying to parry them over and over and failing and dying and failing and dying just because I wanted to get the timing down early so that I could do it the rest of the game. And it was, mm, yeah, once yeah. I got it, it was one of the most satisfying things in games was just to like, especially when I got to, gu- to Gwyn, the final boss of the game, it was like pretty hard uh unless you know how to parry and figure out his parry timings and you can parry like almost all of his attacks it's almost and too kill him easy in, like, when you parry him though yeah you can kill him in like five hits uh, yeah. and that yeah, that true. for me was like the pinnacle of satisfaction of just like this thing this one weird mechanic that i got really good at because it was just really satisfying to me and then i got to the end and it was just like the ultimate payoff <laughs> just like final boss yeah. a um but so there's there's my one so yeah um, that's number one i mean um, let's go to let's go to your yeah let's see okay i'm trying to think of which one i would like to talk about first so this is another one that we both talked about having on our list uh this is gone home yeah yes uh which is yeah absolutely um it's sort of an interesting change of pace from dark souls because absolutely because for very different reasons yeah, because uh, Dark Souls for me is almost entirely like a mechanical love, and obviously mm-hmm. like the mystery of the world is really cool and good. But like mostly, I just love to like play Dark Souls and the, mm. the feel of the controls and everything. And then Gone Home is like very much about, I guess, narrative, but also uh, sort of experiencing this like a very uh bespoke world that's like not Mm -hmm. actually a very large space you're just like in this house no but very compelling space exactly it's very compelling and it's very uh dense with information that is totally optional uh Mm -hmm. most of it i mean you you could finish that game technically like get to the attic and have technically be done without you could probably do it without you know actually absorbing over half of the stuff that's in there there's just mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. packed in there like the the subplot about the dad being like a failed author and like mm-hmm. clearly he like wants to be like artistic as a writer but he has to pay the bills so he like <laughs> writes vhs player reviews and yeah, yeah. and all this stuff but but yeah gone home was a game that i played i actually didn't play it the year it came out i played it on like january 2nd the year after it came out in 2014 and it was like i i played it all in one day in like a three-hour stretch in my freshman dorm room and i was like oh shit this would have been my game of the year i should <laughs> i should have played this when the year came out which is kind of a stupid distinction but mm-hmm. but i yeah I, I played that game and it was very different from anything i played at the time and honestly it was pretty different from games that were mainstream at the time uh oh, absolutely uh and since there's been like a, a a pretty big upswell in in games that are sort of similar but but yeah they usually don't do it that. as well 
Yeah, almost never. But, like, but yeah, I've, I, I've heard Gone Home compared to Dear Esther, and I did not think that was a fair comparison at all. I was like, Gone, yeah, Gone yeah, Home is far superior. Yeah, I never finished Dear Esther, but it, it was definitely just like you weren't really discovering anything. You're just like walking down a line, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a pretty island, and there's like some interesting narration going on. I don't know. I haven't played it since I was like seventeen, probably. So it's it's been a long time. Oh, don't worry. I played it like two years ago, and it still was me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, how do you how do you feel about Gone Home? I know you. Uh, oh, I like it as well. I love Gone Home. I I mean, the the. Like obviously, the, there are some artificialities to the space. Like, some, it, you, you, it is clear that the the space has been designed to guide you a little bit. You know, there are Absolutely. some locked doors that you can only get until you've had the chance to get some other information, which yeah, kind of yeah. creates something of a narrative. But I, the, the, first of all, it feels very like natural um, mm-hmm. when you're playing it, um, and then just like I, I feel like it was a very just like compelling way to approach narrative in yeah in games like yeah absolutely as like it is, there's a space filled with certain information and it's sort of up to you to uncover uh that information um and construct the narrative out of it yeah absolutely and and uh, i guess the the thing that i really um enjoyed about that about that game was i mean i guess the the narrative is also like kind of it's really endearing it's like a a teenage story about uh, a young girl kind of finding herself and Mm -hmm. finding friends and figuring out where she fits in but when you first get get to the house i i mean i had no idea what the game was i just heard there's this game called gone home it's really good play it so i bought it on steam in a sale probably and then i started playing it and i'm in like this I like you start in the entryway of the house and it's like raining and it's an old house and it's mm-hmm. like creaky mm-hmm. and like I for a while I thought it was a horror game like yes that I'm walking around this house fair. and I'm like f- very distinctly like feeling uncomfortable and it, that was something that I actually like really liked about it the first time I played is like not having any idea what it was and then being like oh this is something very different mm-hmm. uh but and yeah, it, it's a, the game it's a, it's a lovely like, game. The game plays with that in some uh, sort of clever ways, too. Um, the obvious yeah. one is when you walk into the bathroom and there's, like, the hair dye, the red hair dye, oh, like, spilled in the yes. bathtub. And right when you turn yeah. the corner, it's like, oh, shit, there's blood everywhere. Oh, it's hair yeah. dye. Yeah, and actually, the, the first time I played the game, the thing I liked about it the least, the thing that, like, I was most upset with is I thought that they had like pretty heavily foreshadowed uh, some sort of like suicide pact or like mm. you were gonna like go in the attic and you're gonna find your little sister like hanging up there uh, and then it was like really happy and like I don't know I, I just remember the first time I played it I guess maybe it was some of that foreboding stuff but I just like really got the feeling that was gonna be the ending and the, I played through it again with like the, the developer commentary and the second time through I I guess I was like, since I already knew that wasn't the ending, I didn't have that, and I and I loved it even more the second time. Uh, the second time through, I thought was like absolutely worth it, and uh, definitely added to the experience, especially mm-hmm. with the the commentary. There's some really interesting stuff in there. Yeah, um, you know, 
a lot of people focus too much, I think, on Gone Home. You know, the the term that has become pejorative to describe is the walking simulator. Walking simulator. Walking simulator which I, I think is far more fair when you're talking about a game like Deer Esther than when you're talking about a game. Oh, like, um, absolutely. Uh, I, Gone Home. I, I, I yeah, think, I think a, a, go, bit, a better comparison um, would be the game that I'm going to talk about next. I'm not sure if you're oh. done talking about Gone Home. but uh, We can be done. I, uh, I think that uh, Her Story, which is the second game I picked for this, mm, yes. um, is... is also uh, just a delightful game um, came out just a couple years ago no last year I thought it came out in 15 uh, I'm pretty sure 16 was oh. it 15 oh I maybe was, you're right I you know what the very end of 15 woof jeez it seems like two months ago that I played that game but I guess not anyways yeah, you're right um, <laughs> in a similar way there's like a body of information that's out there and like the like the narrative is out there and then you as a player are reconstructing and assembling the narrative rather than yeah. like having it told towards you. Um, yeah. And Absolutely. I, I just thought that the, the like mechanic of her story was so clever. It was like so compelling. Like the second I realized what like it wanted me to do, like mm-hmm. search through a database, I was immediately hooked. Yeah. Um, and I played that game in one sitting without like getting up once. I was like, oh, yeah. I had so, like the moments when you like have a realization and you like frantically type in in the search bar, like, oh, are we allowed to, are we spoiling things? Is that what we're doing? Uh, you know, I think, I think we've talked enough about the, the things that I think it's, we can, we can spoil things. Okay. Yes. So, like, when you have the suspicion that she has a twin, you're like, oh, uh. twins. And then, uh, and then, you know, a result comes up that addresses it. Um, and yeah. I think the first result that comes up is actually one that's sort of like taunting you when she's yeah. like, uh, she's like, are you really asking me that? You really think I have a twin? <laughs> like I do. See, yeah. See, it's, um, it, it's kind of interesting. Cause I know you, you're a little bit more positive on that game than I am. I oh, think really? the mechanic. Yeah. I think the mechanic of it was very like, obviously pretty genius and like really compelling, but I found like the actual narrative to be like, I don't know. I, I got the end and I like didn't really realize it was supposed to be the end. I thought it was just like another little turn. And so I ended up playing for like another 30 minutes and like finding other clips that didn't lead anywhere. Uh, and I was just kind of like, and then I was kind of like, Oh, that was, that was just the end. Huh? Cause, cause basically the end is her like admitting that she had a twin and that the other one is, what is it? I don't remember that she killed the, her twin or her husband or something. Oh, she killed her husband. And you find out that the, that one of the interviews is not with her it's with her twin yes okay uh and so i kind of thought that that was just her bullshitting because pretty much the whole game i was under the impression that this was like some sort of split personality disorder or Uh, some sort of weird thing where uh she had like as a child like replaced someone who looked like her or something weird like that and hmm. so it, for me it was just like oh she's just like she's just like trying to throw us off the trail and then that ended up being the end uh so i was i was a little bit unsatisfied but overall i think it was like a really promising thing and i don't think it's necessarily a problem with the game it's just like the way that my mind happened to follow the trail yeah uh, and that's that's like me that in, is a, like in a strange the, way the promise and the risk of how open that like uh mechanic is like you Absolutely. type in literally any word yeah um, 
and so it I, it kind of is a high risk that some players will have a, a janky or um, kind of unnatural progression through the narrative. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and I think it, I think it was like really like good of the developer to like have you do that because even though I ended up like enjoying the game less than you, mm-hmm. I still found it incredibly interesting and think it's like really well done and i'm really excited for mm. his next game yeah which um, is a uh, spiritual successor so i assume that means some sort of similar information searching mechanic um, yeah yeah i think what he said basically is it's like the same gameplay but it's some sort of crime drama involving mm-hmm. like i think he said three to four characters instead of just one being interviewed yeah, so it'll be like way more elaborate yes yeah, yeah i mean if and I'm really excited with how he's going to play with that because mm-hmm. um, when he, when I read about his new game that he's working on, I was sort of got reminded of Serial, the podcast, oh, yeah. uh, and huh. how uh, you get all these teenagers telling people different stories of mm-hmm. of what happened or what they know about it, and it's kind of like none of these people are telling the truth, but like what are the commonalities that we can use to derive the truth, and that's something that uh, I think her story since it was just one character obviously didn't get that but Mm. i feel like sam barlow the creator of her story i feel like he has enough of an understanding of uh sort of like the the crime narrative that i think that uh he could do some really good stuff with that so i'm I'm definitely very excited for that i think uh the the phrase you're looking for is rashomon you know when there's like crime told by different uh isn't that the word? Am I? Am I crazy? I'm, I'm not familiar. I, oh. I don't know. It's like the you, the the genre. I think it comes from a Japanese film, but like the genre, there's been like some crime, and it's told by a series of different people who have like oh, okay. mutually contradictory uh, explanations for what happened. Sure. You have to kind of I did not together. know that was a whole genre. Well, now, something new every day. Now you have a term, Rashomon. Um, yeah, just to I guess finish up with her story. I I am someone who like gets a great deal of pleasure out of getting lost on like mm-hmm. Wikipedia, like clicking through links and like just sure. the way your mind like jumps t- from topic to topic. And I yeah. feel like her story like captures that pleasure in an oh. interesting way. Absolutely. And I have like, uh, I have this little notebook that I keep at my desk and I had like pages. I remember cause I was writing on sticky notes at first, like words I wanted to search when I was watching mm-hmm. videos. Cause after the first 20 minutes or so, I found that I was like, oh, I thought of a word from that last one, but I, I didn't, I searched something else right after and I don't remember, so I started writing them down on sticky notes and then I quickly filled up two sticky notes and then I opened my notebook and stuck the two sticky notes on the page and then added, like, another 50 terms or something on top of it. <laughs> I mean, I just have, like, this giant list and I'm, like, taking notes about, like, different people's motives and all these people's names. I mean, I have, like, three pages in my notebook just full of her story stuff. Yeah. So that was something that I was, like obviously very into it's a very very cool game mm-hmm. um, and maybe this would be a tangent but I'm thinking so I've been thinking a lot about alternate reality games uh, lately obviously and mm-hmm. um, it just sort of like also reminds me of that the way like in an ARG you have to like really the play space is the Google search bar mm. um, yeah absolutely that's interesting. I, I, you're more familiar with ARGs than I am, but that's definitely mm-hmm. I, I see the parallel there. Yeah, yeah. It, but uh, um, anyways, I guess we should probably move on to your uh, 
Yeah, sure. My my second game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I, I will talk about Mass Effect Two now, mm, um, yes. which which is a game that I actually replayed it earlier this year a couple months ago because I was getting excited for that new Mass Effect until everyone was like, "It's terrible. Don't play it." <laughs> uh, but I was like, I should replay through Mass Effect Two because when I when it came out and when I was in high school, I played through that game many times and it was one of my favorites and going back to it, it it obviously i had some rose colored glasses on but i i still think it's worth talking about uh in that i think that game is like pretty important i guess the mass effect series in general is pretty important in like how it reframed narrative and choice for games kind of forever like Hmm. i feel like since mass effect one and to a to a greater extent mass effect 2 uh because i feel like mass effect 1 was all promise like hey the things you do in this game will affect the next game and the (laughs) next game and it didn't actually become real until mass effect 2 came out and it's like oh shit yeah i made the decision to kill caden alenko instead of ashley and so now ashley's here and caden isn't and people Mm -hmm. are talking about it and i feel like it, it really led because I, I feel like so many games have been like, oh, now choice is a big part. It's just like, okay, you make a choice and it affects everything. And a lot of the times, and even in Mass Effect, I think a lot of the reason Mass Effect 2 is a lot better than Mass Effect 3 is in Mass Effect 3, you learned that all that stuff actually didn't have that much of an effect. Mm-hmm. It just made the NPCs say one thing in one conversation instead of another thing. And yeah. like, that sure. all the characters could sort of replace each other. But but still, uh, there's there's something about Mass Effect 2 that, like, games were chasing that for a, a long time. And I think they still are in a lot of ways. Like, basically, Telltale Games has made a whole industry of uh, making <laughs> choice-driven, narrative-focused yeah, games <laughs> that, without Mass Effect 2, like, probably wouldn't even exist. So, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and also, that I, game is just, I, like, I it's, it's, like, good. It's just it's just a good game like the writing is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have as much of like the check out this crazy huge world that we built as the first one does because there'll never be anything as like cool and expansive feeling as being on the Citadel for the first time yeah. and then just yeah, being true. like hey run around and talk to all these weird aliens who communicate with smells and all that. Yeah, I feel like it, it was sort of like that was the the kind of one of the like peaks of the I don't know what to call it the golden age of single player open world RPGs like mm-hmm. like so many games kind of in that five year period there sure were really good for similar reasons and Mass Effect 2 is like one of the best like I'm thinking of Knights of the Republic Dragon Age probably some others if I thought about it for a longer yeah. time some ones that weren't made by Bioware <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point um uh, but yeah, Mass Effect 2, man. And also just like the suicide mission, just like yeah, yeah. knowing that any of them could die and it all has to do with you, like what you've done, mm-hmm. was just like, oh man, this yeah. is awesome. I had that a little, uh, not like ruined for me, but a, a little kind of thrown off because I had heard so much about the su- suicide mission that I had like going into it, I was like super paranoid. Super prepared. About oh, all my choices. So I had like the the ship was completely outfitted. I had like yeah. everything prepped. Yeah, and, um, and you played the game long after the fact. I mean you played it what, like two years ago? 
Uh, yeah, like two, maybe three years ago. Yeah, two. yeah. I think it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so I I played Mass Effect two like not right after it came out because basically Mass Effect two came out and everyone was like, holy shit, this game is great, mm-hmm. and I was like, I should play the first one. So I bought the first one and played that, and then once I finished the first one, then I bought the second one. Uh, and so I played it the year it came out, but not like right away. So I still, I still made some mistakes. Uh, and actually, like the the only crew I lost that first playthrough uh, were from not having the ship upgrades because I did not think they mattered. And then I didn't have the the better guns, and I forget who died. Someone that I was really bummed about. And then I went back and did a Boy Scout run and didn't lose anyone. It's <laughs> like fuck yeah, but um, yeah, I didn't lose anyone. I, yeah, um, I was really worried I would lose. What's the like robot's name? The like uh, collector Legion. intelligence Legion. Yeah, I, yep. I love that guy. He was so much fun to talk yeah. to that I was like, oh, and I can't. He can't die. That'd be the worst. Yeah, I didn't realize until I replayed through it like a couple months ago. But he is—he's the last character you get in your group. He's yeah, like not right. in the game that long before you're at the end. And that's it true. made me sad because that's he true. is an absolutely fascinating character. Yeah, he's so fun and to talk to. And he's like a much more like interesting like collective intelligence than a lot of what's portrayed oh, in sci-fi. He's not just like absolutely. you must join the Borg and your mind will be assimilated. Yeah, know. we we hang out in these space cubes. <laughs> uh, but no, he's like like having the conversation with him where you like be like well you're all the hive mind right and he like explains to you how they work like how the mm-hmm. geth work it's just like oh it's so good yeah it's um it is yeah but, th- but there's one other thing i want to talk about before we get off of mass effect 2 and it, this is more for the mass effect series in general that um i i guess i didn't realize until i started like setting film a little bit more closely because uh so in my degree they obviously they understand like the importance of film to games mm-hmm. because since they're both like very visual yeah games kind of use a lot of films tricks to you know convey and obviously like cutscenes are basically like little films inside the game mm-hmm. uh but anyways like the the way mass effect like sets up and frames conversations between characters is like cinematic in a way that a lot of games weren't prior to that like obviously they had in-game cutscenes and stuff but the way it like has like it frames like inserts and has like depth of field effects like behind the characters and stuff was something that i think games didn't pay attention to as much before mass effect and now after mass effect it's more important i think that's less less uh impactful than like the narrative changes that sort of happened uh, due to the Mass Effect series, but I think those are are worth noting as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that, but that that makes sense. Like each each character interaction, it's like a little feels like really feels scenic in a way. Yeah, that, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and it starts. I think one of the reasons it's sort of forgotten about is it starts to get really formulaic because like kind of every time you talk to a new character, it's like all right, there's a, like a medium close of me of shepherd medium close of uh the character i'm talking to yeah. and then like maybe there's a few like just regular medium shots that include like the other characters or sometimes one of your crewmates interjects or something like that but but i think generally 
it's it like it they shoot conversations between characters like a movie like a film director would shoot them uh which was something that i think wasn't done a ton mm-hmm. uh before uh mass effect um but anyway with that let's uh, let's let's talk about your next game uh yeah so your final game actually yes indeed i i had a little trouble you know picking three but uh i ended up deciding on half-life 2 which is a fantastic game that i actually didn't play for the first time until last year um which is obviously like a full decade after its original release Um, yeah but i thought that was a fantastic game it felt like it could have been like three years old rather than 10 it aged so well yeah Um, it's just really smooth and i feel like that game um in addition to just like feeling pretty good as a game uh Mm -hmm. just like very satisfying to play like it it does it's like completely linear in a way that is totally satisfying and uh, yeah it's sort i feel like that playing that game now um you know in the era when you know the post Skyrim era when I sometimes feel like open world is like fetishized by oh, games. Oh, it's absolutely fetishized. It's just it's every like, game. Look how I much mean, think about shit the last, there is. Think about the last like big AAA game that didn't have at least some sort of open world, even if it was like a limited yeah. open world. Like yeah. every big game is like framed in an open world, unless it's like Call of Duty with like a four or five hour campaign where it's just like constant explosions and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like Half-Life 2 make, has no claims to being open world, and it's still, uh, it feels so uh, great. In fact, I think its linearity um, is one of its, like, greatest assets. It, like, it, a lot of, all of its, its scenes feel very, like, intentional, um, and they, mm. they sort of have, like, a, a logic to them, whether it's, like, um, in the structure of its challenges in a certain room, or whether it's, like, the structure of a puzzle... Uh, it also sort of like uses its linearity um, to create like sort of cinematic scenes and mm-hmm. the way they develop. Um, and then another thing that uh, I really like about Half-Life 2, and this will be a little bit of a cliche thing to say about it, is um, sure. just the, the way it like teaches you how to play it uh, is mm-hmm. um, really satisfying and fun in a way that is not present in a lot of games yeah uh, there's sure. a, the l- there's a lot of famous examples but like when you the first time you see those weird like tongue things hanging from the roof oh um, god <laughs> you have to walk through these barrels um mm-hmm. and the only way to walk through them is to push them and when you push, push them, them they slide forward they, yeah. so just by progressing through the level you push the barrels forward and they run into one of those tongues the tongue grabs it pulls it up and you just yeah the game shows you these yeah. tongue things grab things they're bad you Absolutely. should avoid them they're bad um, and they're also just they're just yucky man yeah <laughs> like you, you, um, you don't want to touch these and yeah so that moment oh. of like oh like realization um which mm-hmm. is it's not like you've solved a puzzle or anything like the game just showed yeah. you but it didn't tell yeah. you uh it's, yeah it's really fun it didn't just say look out for the big tongues those guys are icky and they'll bite yeah, your like head your off. screen will freeze for a moment and an exclamation point point will pop up and it'll be like tip the tongue what? things are bad yeah did you know tongue aliens are bad <laughs> um right, seriously but but yeah half-life 2 is one of my great shame games i've never finished it oh. and i actually yeah. haven't you like, got me. that far no, in kidding. it <laughs> yeah i feel like i should revisit it because i so i played 
through probably like three or four hours of it when I was, I think I was still in high school. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I remember like enjoying it and thinking the world was super well realized and mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. struck by, like you said, how well it holds up. Like I remember looking at it being like, when did this game come out? Like I Googled it because graphically even I was like, this game yeah, doesn't look like, like a game bad. that came out like, in like 2004. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, I guess it's uh, older than a decade. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think, uh, now that I have like four years of, basically like studying games as a profession behind me i really maybe maybe that's what i'll play next because uh <laughs> i have i have a lot of downtime right now uh and yeah. so I, I definitely think maybe i'll just like dive into your, your due diligence as a yeah student of games yeah because because what you've what you've said about uh about it being like really linear and focused is something that i've started to find really attractive in games and it, it actually reminded me of an experience i had i think Last year, the year before, I played uh, the 2012 reboot of Syndicate. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but but so Syndicate came out, the original game. I don't actually know that much about it. I know it's like some sort of like strategy game, I think, from like the 90s. And then they rebooted it as a first person shooter. And it has like a lot of like dubstep in it. It's got like a Skrillex made a song for Syndicate. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. So when it when it came out, I remember just being like not interested at all because I was like I was the kid who liked dance music but thought dubstep was like trash. I was like this ridiculous little joke <laughs> being like, <laughs> well, uh, Daft Punk is great, but Skrillex, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so I that like didn't think about it. And then <laughs> that's fine, uh, but I, uh, but then I had heard um, I think Austin Walker and and Jeff Gersman, one uh, Jeff Gersman from Giant Bomb and Austin Walker now from Waypoint were were talking about Syndicate and they were talking about it like really glowingly. So I went on Amazon and it was like ten dollars. So I bought it. I ordered I ordered it uh, like a DVD, you know, a mm-hmm. CD-ROM, uh, and it came in a box Wild. with uh, a disc. And I put the disc in, and the disc said uh, "Open Origin, EA Origin." <laughs> And it, and it just like it just like the disc was literally just like hey download Origin and then like just you'll have a copy of it on there. <laughs> and I was oh, just that's like, cool. weird. <laughs> but anyway, this is all a roundabout way of saying I played Syndicate, and it had like a six-hour campaign, but it was like focused and like tight in a way that I feel like so few games are, where yeah, it was just like yeah, true. Uh, you have like an unlock tree, but it's not it's never abilities. It's just like little boost it's like stat boost and it's not a tree it's literally there's a grid of power of like upgrades and you can buy any one of them at any time you don't have to like buy a certain one to unlock like the next level in the tree and also uh instead of having you like unlock a different abilities and like a bunch of different abilities and having you like pick from these abilities there's like three abilities in the whole game but like Hmm. their encounters are like designed around abilities and they synergize really well with each other and so it feels like a game that like instead of most modern games just like the more of it there is the better you can do all these different approaches and play the way you want and syndicate is just like hey man how about this game is just really really good at the things it does it doesn't do a ton of stuff but it does things the things it does like just mm-hmm. quickly efficiently you get in the campaign doesn't wear out its welcome 
All the mechanics are fun. The guns feel awesome. It's just like a really enjoyable game. Yeah, uh, I sometimes, and this will make me sound like perhaps more grumpy than I am, but I, I some uh-huh. games like when they just try to like be over the head with their customizable options. I sometimes uh-huh. feel like the that's almost like lazy design. Like, oh, we don't need to oh, make some things good. We'll just do all the things, and it's yeah. up to the player to make it good. I'm like, yeah, why not just make I, a better game? I definitely think, and that was like something that I maybe. I, I definitely realized before, but it didn't, like, fully form for me until I played, like, a pretty modern game. Syndicate came out in, like, 2012. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, wait, like, they could, there can still be new games that are just, like, really focused and don't have, like, a bunch of skills and you, like, pick the skills you want. It just has, like, three or four and they all work really well together and they, like, chain off of each other and... Oh, it's just a just mm-hmm. a really fun game, especially if yeah. you just like shooters that just feel really good. If it, it feels so good, it's a good feel. Um, yeah. But uh, sorry, I, I just you, you mentioned that about Half Life Two, and it made me uh, made me think of that. Um, mm-hmm. but, I uh, the, the, my uh, like um, frustration with uh, like I don't know what what's the word for when you you get anxiety from. Um, having too many choices i feel like there's a word for that like oh yeah there definitely is but okay, i well i if a game is giving me that feeling i'm like what the hell like yeah this is, <laughs> this is not right um yeah. and that actually like really crystallized for me as like a realization that that's a sort of trend at, and a problem not from um at, actually a video game at all but mm-hmm. i i was reading through this uh, like adventure module for D and D. Okay. It's a recent one. Dungeons and Dragons for Dungeons the uninitiated. Yeah, true. True. Um, called Storm King's Thunder, and I, uh, it's like it builds itself as like basically open world, and mm-hmm. I, I remember being like, "What are you talking about? D and D is always open world because yeah, you can just make it up as you go." And like I was reading through this thing, and it's like they had like two sentences of description for like uh-huh. dozens and dozens and dozens of locations, and I'm like. This doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Like, so it's just like, huh? If the players go to some location, you have to just like, really, the DM has to make it up all themselves, and you got like, and then it's like, oh, look at all these options. Look at all the places the players can go. I'm like, the players could have already done that if you were gonna make yeah. me make it up myself, anyways. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That that's kind of like what made it it crystallize for you mm-hmm. because. Um, I mean, also I mean, that had been a. A feeling I'd had for a while about yeah. video games too, but yeah, but that's 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 really interesting. I I should play more D and D. I love it. It's great. Yeah, when we uh, you had us and a couple of other friends uh, play it a few years back, and at the time I was like pretty busy, so I ended up like falling off of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoyed every minute that we we played D and D. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. And yeah, the, wish... the new edition is much simpler. So yeah, I've I've heard I've heard. Mm. Um, but this is a this is a tangent. So this is a, this is a tangent. We're doing that. We got uh, anything one else more you game. wanted to say Wait, about um, what's that? Did you do three already? No, I still have one more. Yeah, let's let's yeah. move to that. You ready? You ready for it? All right. So so my my last choice is uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Ah uh, yes, which is another that game that I played when I was young. I did not play that one right when it came out. I did own a PS2, but I wasn't really aware of it. I wasn't really on the internet. Uh, <laughs> like looking at games I was obviously like 
watching videos on what albino black sheep and like stupidvideos.com but i wasn't uh, i wasn't quite like seeking out weird sort of more artsy games uh, on the internet but I, I played it and i think like 2008 or 2009 so i think it was like four or five years after the game had come out and it was like nothing i had played before it was like uh for those that don't know it's basically a game where there are 16 enemies in the whole game and there's these like colossi massive creatures and their their designs are really distinct and it's just it's a it's a game that has the the thing i love the most about it um is it has like this really profound sense of loneliness because you know it's a there are 16 enemies in the whole game but the game takes like 10 or 12 hours to finish because the world you're in is is massive and there's there's not really that much in it there's like ruins uh and like obviously there are these big monsters but they're like kind of hidden in the corners or they're just like tucked away and so you spend Mm -hmm. a lot of that game like maybe almost more time than you do like actually fighting these monsters which are really more of puzzles but i'll get back to that (laughs) but you, you spend a lot of time just like riding around on your horse and like the only other animals you ever see are lizards and birds and it's just i don't know the the music in that game is like one of my favorite mm-hmm. soundtracks ever it's it's a japanese game and it has like the grand sort of japanese uh, orchestration like you only find that sort of arrangement and like sound in japanese uh soundtrack music like a lot of uh hmm. studio ghibli films have like similar sounding soundtracks just that I, it's it's hard to like put your finger on it but the way they are they're so like sweeping and grand but also huh. shadow of the claws it's it's soundtrack is also very like there's a lot of reverb it has a lot of space and so it's just like you just feel like distance and you're just like in this big lonely world and you just ride around in your horse searching for these like big woolly rock i don't even know how to describe the monsters they're like half made of stone but they also have like this thick wool that you climb around on and it just it felt Mm. so otherworldly and it it does something that i think is one of my favorite strengths of games that i think a movie could never make you feel as much in a place as shadow of the colossus does like there's just this distinct feeling of like loneliness but there's there's also hope because you're you're trying to uh like basically you're killing these monsters because you're told by a disembodied voice from above that uh if you do it that you can resurrect your 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 love who has died the the intro of the game is you riding into this land uh that is uh told to be forbidden uh to to resurrect uh your your love and it's Man, I I think I I talked to you uh, recently about why I loved uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's for very similar oh, reasons. Yeah. Your description um, was similar. Yeah, and honestly, if you don't if we usually hear more... loneliness as like a like the aesthetic that draws someone to a game, but that is that is a word you use yeah. to describe both of them. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a weird thing to me. That's like if if we were three years or maybe even two years removed, I might be talking about Breath of the Wild instead of Shadow. But uh, hmm. but I have to give that one some time. I'm not sure. <laughs> but let it stew. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah i think that was one of the reasons i knew i was gonna love breath of the wild after watching just like a couple videos of it is because something about that feeling of just like being alone in like this big space i don't know there's something that's very like it i'm drawn to it in a weird way um and yeah and that's i feel like a a lot of open world or open world ish games um Mm -hmm. are like afraid to let you be alone like there has to always be something for you to do at every moment rather than just like yeah yeah and i think i think like a lot of times in modern games people mistake making a world feel real as making it feel lively like oh in Mm. this city you have to it has to be like lively so that you know that it's like it's like a real place whereas like real places that are empty and yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i i grew up in in utah and there are like a lot of mountains where you can go and just like (laughs) you can't see or hear a person (laughs) and so i think maybe i i just sort of you know realized that maybe that's why i enjoy it it's just like because you're just kind of like out in this big natural world just like i don't know there's and you're yeah it's uh, it's a shadow is like a flawed game certainly like some of those encounters with the colossi can be really frustrating but uh overall i think like it's a it's just like a beautiful game and one that like i just like being in that big world and like hearing its music Mm. um and the ending is is really interesting too um, I guess I won't talk explicitly about that one. I think people can uh, go find it for themselves. But it, it plays with sort of themes. I mean, it's kind of... It's not quite, like, as direct as Bioshock's, like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, w- would you kindly? Would you kindly? <laughs> yeah, but it kind of, like... The, the end of it is kind of like, why did you just do all this stuff without even, like, thinking about it? Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but but yeah man shadow of the colossus is a a worthwhile game to play which is which is good because they're they're making like an hd remaster which is weird because they already like put it out for ps3 but this one apparently they're like actually redoing the graphics instead of just like making it run at 60 frames a second huh maybe i'll finally maybe i should finally play it um yeah maybe I mean, uh, they did. I saw the run animation games, in the trailer, and, and the run animation was uh, was different than the original game. So I think it's personally, I think it's t- going to be terrible. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's definitely a game worth playing. Yeah, I, it sounds like you, the appeal for you um, is not like the ending. While interesting, is not one of the main main mm. reasons you found it so good yeah i mean it it was it was definitely like good and it definitely made it extra memorable but also just like some of the fights in that game are just like so good because you just like you're riding around on this and there's like a lot of variation like uh the first one you got he's just like this big this big guy he's probably like 50 feet tall and he like swings a big club at you and you climb up on his like furry arm and stab him in the head and you're like cool and then the fifth one you like get there and it's like this lake and then there's just like a fucking giant oh, and it I flies yeah yeah and you have to like climb this tower and like lure it make it come and try and get you off the tower and you like jump onto it oh, and then cool. there's like uh there's like so many variation and like like the music uh the, the music like the colossus fight 
themes mm. are so good and just like burned in my brain forever and they're just like uh they're like triumphant but also like kind of harrowing oh it's it's such a there's some moments in that game that are just so good <laughs> i i mean that's one of those games that's sort of been like floating in the back of my mind as something to uh something i kind of want to play yeah um, so maybe i finally will but I, I, yeah. I the reason i brought up that um that the ending which it's sort of a, a move that a lot of games have made bioshock's the obvious one where it's like mm-hmm. by by fulfilling the objectives of the game you've been the game sort of like says that you've been lured into some sort of complicity yes. like ah yep. but why did you do Ha-ha. this and like why'd you do this wait, i remember the first time i played bioshock i thought that was very clever but like looking back mm-hmm. it it feels a little cheap like it's almost like if at the end of the book it was like ah by reading the book you've killed someone or something like yeah it's like, well, of course i'm gonna play through the game like that's yeah, the yeah. purpose of that's a, yeah thing. that's actually i I, th- I thought about that uh recently because i was like planning to talk about this game and uh i i thought that i knew that you had uh, really enjoyed bioshock when you play it so i thought you might bring mm-hmm. it up so i was like thinking about mm-hmm. the similarities in the ending and i i kind of realized it's like it's kind of a weird point to make like yeah you played into my trap it's like yeah there's literally no other way to play the game like <laughs> there's just like one objective it's not like there were two different forces and there was like this whole other way to play the game it's like i had to play the yeah. game i mean like, like this is this is the object you've given me this game uh yes like you're you're getting mad at me for playing it like what yeah <laughs> yeah um, uh, that's i mean yeah and i think it's, it's sort of like you know games are still relative video games are still a relatively young medium uh absolutely um so th- this sort of feels like the the period of like when people are trying to figure out how narrative works in games and they're like trying different mm-hmm. things out and so there's gonna be a yeah. lot of like gimmicky and clunky stuff yeah absolutely um, i i was actually um i mean if, if you like read like early novels um mm-hmm. my, my, my comparison of something that like clunky that early novels do that's similar mm-hmm. to the way that like uh, maybe some early games are with narrative is like a lot of early novels are epistolary which is like they're written as if they were all letters so you're like reading hmm. the letters of the oh, main character sure. and sometimes like it, you'll be like there'll be a scene where like the something is happening and the person's mm-hmm. like writing about it live as, as it's it happens. happening and it's like <laughs> and now the the person is breaking into my home and it's like why are uh, you still writing this you idiot <laughs> it's like uh that scene in uh monty python, monty python yeah it's like ah wait it says ah uh, he must it, have he wrote, died while he was writing it but he, he but he wrote out uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly That's really funny. And it, it's like it's just because like you know the novel was new and people were so drawn to the idea of like finding someone's letters that like sure authors are just like I, it's it's letters it has to be letters it's like huh. no you can just write the first person it's yeah it's okay you, c- you can just write like it's happening <laughs> people will figure it out that's interesting because yeah. i've actually been uh i've been reading like this film textbook that i had lying around uh and like he talks a lot about like the classical era of film or like just like the thirties and forties when filmmakers were doing tons of 
stuff that like some of it was working and some of it totally wasn't working Mm -hmm. and like i i've been drawing a lot of parallels between games like the whole like studio system and how like movies used to be made it was like studios just hired all the people they liked and like all movies were just made by these studios and like all the writers and directors were like on staff and so they'd like come up with a movie and the actors even they'd just like come up with a movie and be like all right what actors writers and directors do we have on staff to make this movie make us the most money and uh i think that like games are probably going through a similar period and are probably gonna have a longer time before they have truly like sort of reached their potential potential and are maybe more respected and maybe people will stop having the fucking horrible conversation about whether games can be art or not <laughs> it's like but, and uh, even no matter what your position is on that question it's like the, no nothing interesting can come out of having that conversation absolutely nothing it's not absolutely no nothing. it's not it's not interesting yes. it's not fun to talk about it's like there's it's tacky and i hate it <laughs> uh, but you know speaking of like the maturation of games i feel like mm-hmm. these games we've picked all sort of um for other reason one reason or another are are making like strides in that direction yeah absolutely Um, and i think that's probably uh at least that's definitely some of the reasons i picked some of these games here instead mm -hmm. of other games that i really love uh and hopefully we will find some games that uh people have not played and we're doing this podcast and yeah and you know, draw people's attention to some new ideas, new ways of thinking about old ideas that some, yeah, absolutely. some low-budget game has managed to think up. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, that's a pretty good note to uh, end on. What did you say, say sir? I, you know what? It's almost like I was thinking about it that way. Huh. That's a... You know, you've really just got a knack for this podcast thing, <laughs> I think. Uh, well, uh, we'll see. Well, we'll see in future episodes if, it, uh, yeah. if that is true. Yeah, but anyway... Um, uh, do you want to, I don't know, do you want to do that thing that people do in podcasts where they're like, where can people find you? And then you give your Twitter or are you not about that life? Oh, um, mm, I, I, I like never update Twitter. Is that the, yeah. is that the customary one? I, you know what? I don't know. I probably don't listen to enough podcasts to like really be like, that's the thing people do. So you know we can we can forgo that one. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll start like treating my Twitter more as like a podcast thing. Cause right now I'm just like retweeting <laughs> like political memes and like essays hey, from man. professors I like. Hey man, people people want to get Jordan straight from the source. Uh, okay. uh, political memes that. <laughs> that's okay, you know they, what? I'll I'll put it out there. It's a uh, at Pruitt Jordan underscore between the two. Great. I don't know That's actually why I prompted you. I'm pretty sure I'm Blake underscore Beckett, but I'm but I'm not sure. Okay. But if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna see like where like game developers and journalism's uh, crossover with like weird indie rappers, uh, my Twitter <laughs> is a pretty good spot <laughs> to look. Um, uh. But anyway, it's been lovely speaking to you. Uh, next, the next episode will be like an actual weird game that we mm-hmm. played. We actually already a, recorded a true it. French game. Yeah breaking breaking the fourth wall but uh (laughs) uh, do podcasts have a fourth wall anyway Um, no (laughs) uh we 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 played a a game and and we talked about it so that'll be the next thing that you hear Mm -hmm. but uh we we hope you stick around and you find something interesting yeah uh, in this this little thing we're doing uh so far we're we're really enjoying it so yeah absolutely uh, yeah well we will i will talk to you soon jordan and uh i will talk to you listener soon as well so long